Welcome to Mornings with Mike. Public Safety Today. Grab a coffee and sign up to receive your call-in information. Be a part of the show. For more information at any time, please visit www.tapsd.org. Now, let's get started with your host, Mike Pazesny. Hello, folks. We're talking about the psychological profiles of some mental health cases who may be involved in hostage situations and hostage takings. And right now we're talking about the inadequate personality. The inadequate personality will typically display a decent amount of narcissism, attention-seeking behavior. Uh, These are the guys who have the clouds that follow them everywhere that they go. They have a history of failure. They're always screwing up. Uh, They are the, uh, the born losers in life. You know, maybe this guy just robbed a bank or something and decided he was going to use a bicycle as a getaway vehicle. Um, the the hostage-taking incident may be, you know, the, the high point of their life. Everybody's paying attention to them, and they're going to show everybody who's boss and what they're capable of doing. And so the inadequate personality type then will be taking those hostages to be able to prove that they can succeed at something that they have attempted to do in their lives. So at the at the same time they may be they may appear apologetic for their behavior. Uh, they may state demands with a lot of conviction and then and then provide the negotiator with a lot of options, almost in an apologetic way. Uh, negotiators need to read through these kinds of things, seize those options, be open, uh, show some empathy, and be sympathetic to the the grievances that the hostage taker has. Kind of understand the fact that this inadequate person is involved in something beyond their own problem-solving capacity. So after you provide ego support, provide them with some kind of direction because they have already shown in life that they don't have the capacity for a lot of creative problem-solving, and right now they're up to their neck in the worst problem that they've ever had. So you're providing them some ego support, building a little bit of a bridge there, letting them know that you might be that ray of sunshine on their uh, on the dark cloud that's followed them their whole lives, might provide you with an opportunity to provide some direction to them. Um, you can provide them with some face-saving alternatives. You know, uh, give them the opportunity to know that you that you know while they're saying, well, I'll show them. Well, they, they, you know, that they can actually show people what they're capable of doing, and uh, and they can actually come out of the thing looking like a hero because they they were compliant and they helped save all those people's lives. The next one is the antisocial personality. Uh, antisocial personality disordered types come into conflict with society and are incapable of having significant loyalty to just about anything or anybody. They blame other people for their problems. They rationalize their behavioral issues. Uh, They probably already have some kind of a criminal history by the time that you make contact with them in a hostage type. Uh, They are the most likely to dehumanize their hostages, and they should be considered very dangerous to those hostages because they really don't have much in the way of feelings for the well-being of the hostages at all. The hostages are are pawns, they're tools to be used in order for the antisocial personality, disordered person to get what it is that they want. The APD lacks emotional depth. Uh, they might have a lot of emotional overlays to try to manipulate the negotiation personnel to get what it is that they want, but um, but they don't care about anybody except for themselves. They um, 
They don't relate to other people. Uh, your attempts to empathize with them won't do very much good because they're not emotionally involved people unless it, it, it directly applies to them. Um, you should not share personal or sensitive information with them, especially about the hostages, because they don't have any empathy for the hostages anyway. So be aware of the fact that the APD personality doesn't have any compunction about doing anything to anybody. If the hostage taker decides that those hostages are a burden, they will probably be taken out. The H, the antisocial personality disordered individual takes, takes risks. They're after that rush, you know. They're the ones that might be suffering from those, uh, those low neurotransmitter levels, and they're stimulated by being in the middle of this hostage situation. They're turned on by it. They're not frightened by it. They're not intimidated by it. This is the, this is the kick that they have needed in order to be able to, you know, this is their high. So what frightens other people actually turns the person on who is diaclinically case of antisocial personality disorder. These people have already probably have been involved in the criminal justice system. They already have some knowledge of how the system works. So you don't try to pull the wool over their eyes by lying to them because they're probably going to know exactly what's going on. They pride themselves in being able to compete against other people so that they can feel superior to those other people. It reinforces their ego. Uh, rationalizing the seriousness of the situation, focusing on the mortality of them and all those kinds of things, um, you know, focusing his or her attention on the one thing that they care most about, which is not dying, is probably something that will find some attention being paid to you. But other than that, they could care less about the, uh, the hostages. The egocentricity of the antisocial personality type requires constant stimulation. And reinforcement along with confrontation about negative consequences can induce the antisocial type to become more reasonable. Um, a primary objective in the negotiation process with these kinds of individuals is to keep their attention. Avoid having them turn their attention to the hostages, but keep their attention on themselves and their relationship with you. Avoid references to jail or to hospitalization because if they... Uh, if they think that they're going to lose their freedom, they'll just become more agitated. Or if they think that you're insinuating that they're crazy, they'll just become more agitated. Um, you have to be very concrete in what it is that you're saying to them. You have to be confident, forthright, assertive. You know, these things are critical in dealing with the antisocial personality disordered uh, hostage taker that you might have. So if you're waffling and you appear to be unsure of what it is that you're doing, they're not going to respect you. They want somebody who's strong and confident uh, being that individual who's going to be handling their negotiations. It's almost as though it brings credit on them to have somebody who is so professional that that's the kind of individual who's dealing with them. And that's what turns them on and makes them receptive to what's being said. The borderline personality, as we've talked about before, is is uh, one of the most difficult people to deal with in just about any situation. But when we come to a uh, HT situation, it's even more difficult because they may exhibit psychotic-like symptoms during times of high stress. They engage in numerous suicide attempts. They usually have a suicide completion rate of about 10%. Their lives are emotional, social, uh, and occupational train wrecks that are characterized by recurrent job losses, uh, failed educational attempts, broken relationships. 
They tend to be impulsive and reckless and binge on whatever activity it is that they're involved in at that time. They're easily bored, and they're constantly on the lookout for some kind of emotional stimulation to fill their inner emptiness and their fears of abandonment by other people. So the primary components of negotiating strategies with borderlines are setting limits, you know, almost like you're talking to your kids. Setting limits, uh, give them goals, structure those goals, uh, be em uh, empathetic, you know, understand and diffuse their emotions as much as you can, be caringly confronting with them, uh, provide support, but don't elicit dependence, and, and stay with them to try to control impulsive behavior that they will get themselves involved in because they, they're erratic as individuals to begin with. So these are high-maintenance people to try to stay up with through the negotiation process. Asking them how they feel about a negotiating point is more important than whatever the point is. Helping them to feel better about themselves, having an opinion that matters, is more important than whether the point itself makes any uh, any sense at all. So the ideal relationship with the mentally disturbed hostage taker is one in which uh, affiliation is high, interdependence is high, because those factors lead to mutual trust. It's crucial that the negotiator attempts to establish some trusting relationship as early as possible because research has found that once the tone of that relationship is established, whether it's high or low, it tends to stay that way for the duration of the negotiation. So first impressions are critical. When negotiators establish low affiliation, the content of the perpetrator's message is much more negative and much more dangerous. So it's very, very important as early on uh, as possible to, to get in there. There's some other specific kinds of uh, individuals that we need to talk about just because we're doing this under a uh, heading of uh, public safety work. One is the institutionalized individual. Institutionalized HTs are inmates who have a grievance, usually about some condition within the correctional system that they're confined, right? Hostage takings in a correctional setting are usually deemed instrumental acts because they want to produce concrete changes of some kind. They want better meals. They want more rec time. They want more visitation. They're usually instrumental acts. However, an institutional hostage situation normally involves expressive elements, and there may be more than one spokesperson amongst the perps. You may have a whole cell block of perpetrators to deal with, not just one. So the, the thing that can drive you crazy and that's very important for the negotiator to do is to initiate a dialogue that seeks some empathic understanding of the hostage takers balanced with focusing on their demands. Because those individuals are usually very smart, uh, very educated in the ways of both institutional and law enforcement policy. They've been, you know, they, they've been, uh, uh, they've been captured. You know, they've been intercepted. They've been apprehended. That was the word I was looking for. They've been apprehended. Uh, they have been processed through the courts. They have gone through a holding facility, and now they're actually through classification and in a prison. These guys understand the system. So the negotiator has to be very careful about attempting to manipulate or trick the perpetrators because generally uh, they will automatically be putting the lives of the hostages uh, in, the hand, in, in their hands. And negotiations will just crash if those inmates 
perceive that negotiator to be playing with them in any way. So you have to be sincere in what it is that you're trying to get done. When I went through hostage negotiation school, that's what they did. At the culmination of this, they gave us an exercise where we had to successfully negotiate a hostage situation. And in my particular case, I got led over to a state prison where they had a whole slew of staff and inmates acting as inmate perpetrators who had a hostage taken, and it was it was terribly done because it was a it was a it was a no win situation. There was no way to win it. We had X amount of time that we were supposed to resolve the issue. Which is obviously one of the one of the tenets of uh, negotiation is that you don't have a clock that you subscribe to, but in our particular case, I think because they didn't want the training lasting for weeks, um, we had a certain amount of time that we were able to negotiate before it went tactical, uh, and and obviously it, it just wasn't handled very well. So these days, uh, we tend to wear these people out. All right, so the, the stages and the dynamics of a hostage situation. We're going to be taking a look at these, and we're going to start with the alarm stage. The alarm stage is the most traumatic and dangerous stage, typically lasts about an hour. Whatever the type of hostage taker that you have, in this first stage of that hostage taking process, uh, emotions are running high. Uh, their reasoning capacity, whether they be mental health or not, is going to be diminished because if it wasn't diminished, they wouldn't be doing what it is that they're doing, right? They're going to be very aggressive in their reaction to any kind of perceived threat to force their will on the hostages, the takers will generally believe that the hostages must be terrorized into some kind of submission. So it's usually during the alarm phase that the HTs will harass and abuse and even kill anybody who seems to be interfering with their attempts to consolidate their power and control over whatever the situation happens to be. For the unprepared individual who becomes a hostage during the alarm stage, uh, their life is traumatic in every possible aspect. They were previously sitting there as a bank teller or at a desk, and all of a sudden now they're in a life-and-death situation, and that situation seems to change every minute that they're there. For that victim who's defenseless and confused, this entire experience takes on something that seems like they're in a movie, you know, they're, they're watching a movie of some kind. So a lot of them will be in denial. Uh, they may be there looking at the hostage taker but be in denial that, the, that this is even really taking place. Uh, as a result of this, um, they may perceive themselves to have lost any control over the situation. The hostage taker has now really become the most important person in the life of the victim, and over time, his or her actions will shape the victim's psychology. If we take a look at battered women, if we take a look at abused kids, if we take a look at prostitutes that have been forced into the prostitution rackets, you will see direct parallels between their changes and their mental mindsets and those of hostages, uh, people who are survivors of concentration camps, people who've been political prisoners. The same kind of mental changes happen in all of those individuals involved. The psychological and behavioral dynamics for these groups during and after the escape or release tends also to run parallel to each other. So effective coping during the alarm stage means immediately putting into place a strong will to survive and not not uh, giving in to the panic that might be set. This is where this is where winners will win and losers will not make it. It is at this stage, the alarm stage, usually about the first hour of the situation happening, that most injuries occur. Any sign of panic may cause the perpetrators to overreact, 
and cause injury or death to somebody and may dramatically diminish the chances of survival that any of the hostages have. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to come back and talk about the crisis stage in the stages and dynamics of a hostage situation. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You are listening to the American Public Safety Training Institute. You may have a degree, but do you have what it takes? Get your foot in the door by earning your certificate now. Online and field training available now from TAPSTE. Get the skills from the best trainers in America. Find out how at www.tapste.org. 